Success Beneath the Surface, hosted by Deborah Fell, Managing Partner at Chief Outsiders. Deborah provides insights specifically for CEOs from growth-oriented companies. Thank you, Susan. My guest today is Charles Dobbins. He's principal at Dobbins Law and founder of the Multifamily Investing Academy. He's a successful attorney and consultant to multifamily investors all over the country. He has personally acquired over $20 million of apartments and been involved on behalf of his clients in over $3 billion in multifamily transactions. And as Charles puts it, yes, that's billions with a capital B. He has created a step-by-step program that helps everyone from new investors to seasoned professionals how to get started in the multifamily real estate investment business, even with limited cash, credit, or experience. And I can tell you that his commitment and passion around this topic and helping people create a legacy and build wealth is real and fun and very informative. So welcome, Charles. Thank you, Deborah. Deborah, how do I look? Do I look fine? Fabulous. I was in makeup for an hour. Everything is in place. Your lighting couldn't be better. Um, You are my aspiration because I know you are many things. Deborah, you really have to set your your sights higher. You really do. I know you are many things. You are a lawyer. You run a multifamily investing business. And I also know you are a excellent podcaster. Yeah. So we're going to try to hit a standard on this that comes even close to what you do. But Charles, okay. tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, that's it. I am a little bit of everything. I have so much fun in everything that I do. Uh, I have finally designed my life in a way that I'm doing everything I dreamed of. And uh, I am a lawyer, but I really my practice is really more of a consulting practice where I teach people how to buy apartments and hotels. And, uh, you know, it allows me a huge level of creativity. It allows me uh, the opportunity to speak all over the country. And, you know, I jokingly told one guy, said I'm the highest paid comedian in the state of New Hampshire. And because uh, when I get out there, it's just everything's a stand up routine and it's so much fun. But I get to do what I want and really help people. And that's the coolest thing is that. Right now, my business has changed drastically so that, you know, I'm doing well by doing good. That's what my partner and I say. Yeah. So can we can we roll the tape backwards a little bit and yep. start from the beginning in terms of your your work experience, but what you went through to sort of get to where you are today? Okay. So when I was in college, I worked at a, an apartment building and I knew I wanted to own apartments. That's I all my life. I knew that that's what I was meant to do. Uh, and I didn't know how to get there. And when I got out of college, I took the path of least resistance, which was to join the family insurance business. And as I say, uh, Deborah, if you have a child that comes out of college and says, I really want to go in the insurance business you have failed as a parent. You really have. You, there's there's something wrong with that child. Uh, but I did it and I did it for a couple of years. And the problem was that my father was such a great life insurance salesman, a consummate salesman, that I could uh, I could never touch him in the field. And I, and I thought, you know, there's no, this is just not for me, but it took me about three years to figure it out. And, and I, I wanted to go to law school. I wanted to be a lawyer. And uh, so I did that for uh, right after selling insurance. And then while I was doing that, I was raising a family. I, my, I, my wife and I were having kids. And 
So I was working uh, during the day at another insurance firm and I was doing very well at it. And so when I was out of, got out of law school, I kind of thought, geez, I don't want to take a pay cut to be a lawyer. And that's what I would have had to do. Uh, and then, of course, like any entrepreneur, I thought I could do everything better than everybody else. So I decided to go out and start my own company. And I did that for seven or eight years. But man, I was doing it all wrong. And I was letting the business run me. I was the lowest paid employee in the company. I had about 35 employees and there were times when I didn't even make a paycheck. And, you know, that's not the way to, to build a business. And I told my wife, I said, I can't do this anymore. I'm going to be in an early grave. She said, what do you want to do? And I said, uh, I want to uh, own apartments. She said, well, let's do it. So I sold that business. I burnt the ships. I went out and started buying apartments and, uh, you know, I owned over a thousand apartments in short order and, and loved it, loved every aspect of the business. And then the market crashed and, um, you know, I lost some of my properties. I kept some of my properties and uh, I um, realized that, you know, a lot of friends of mine, I needed to add to my income because I was losing these properties. So I started practicing and um, really representing multifamily owners while they're losing their properties and so you, you know a lot of them merged yeah 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 that's yeah and so but that it became even more of a merger later on but what happened was i realized that oh, some of these guys bought properties the wrong way and they should never have bought these properties and you know i realized that there's an opportunity for me to get out there and help people and teach people how to do this business the right way and uh that's when i decided i was going to start consulting to people and teaching them how to do it and i've created a whole entire business as a result of that and you know there are a lot of guys in this space right now but i'm kind of the, the contrarian uh because i'm not one of these get rich quick schemers i'm more about teaching my students how to build a business now let's come back there. Let's come back to that. Yeah. I, I want to go back and ask, you said when you were like a teenager, you knew you wanted to own apartment buildings. Yeah. And I suspect this theme carries through present day. What yeah. Yeah. I mean, the guy, when, when I was a kid, my heroes were the guys who, you know, the, the, that owned apartments in my city here in Nashua, New Hampshire. And then, you know, fast forward, now, not really fast, but 40 years later, I mean, their kids are all friends of mine. And I, and, and we talk about how they started it. And uh, it's just a, a fascinating story. And that's what I've learned is the people that, I mean, the, the, the kids of those heroes of mine mm -hmm. are set for life. They never have to worry about a thing. Mm -hmm. And I understand that the reason why that's that way is because their fathers built businesses that just continue to grow and continue to grow. Mm -hmm. And I see other people out there today trying to get into multifamily investing by these gurus who sell them on the passive investing concept, which is, I, I have a part of my website says passive investing is a scam. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, passive investing is fine. You just want to put some money in a property. That's fine. But if you're looking to be one of these people that leave their children a legacy passive investing is not for you and nobody says that except for me and that's a that's you know why I'm, i've been labeled the bad boy of multifamily investing among these guru types so but you talk anyway. about yourself as the contrarian and you've given yeah. 
example or two, but are there other examples or why do you call yourself the contrarian of multifamily investing? Well, and it really comes down, there's so many reasons, but one of them is this passive investing concept. I say, listen, you can do it the passive investing way, or you can do it the Warren Buffett way. And, you know, Warren Buffett, start out small, built, built, never paid a distribution, kept the money in the business because he knew the business would be much more valuable than paying somebody a a 9% return, kept growing the business by adding and acquiring more properties versus the passive investing model, which is essentially the multi-level marketing model for multifamily investing. Mm. Where, as we know, in multi-level marketing, in any multi-level marketing, the only people making the money are the guys at the top. And the people at the bottom, they get nothing. They get the scraps. Uh, And besides that, the passive investing model is designed to die. You know, after about five to seven years, what's your exit strategy? Oh, we're going to sell the property. We're going to get their money back and we're going to move on. Okay, that's not a business. That doesn't work with your legacy concept. Exactly. Oh, then you go on and you do it all over again. I got to start all over again. And besides that, what has happened is they have paid out distributions every year because they promised they'd pay out distributions. That gets taxed. They turn around, they sell the property. That gets taxed. The beautiful thing about real estate is the tax favored advantages that you have for owning real estate. And they're not taking advantage of it. You know, that's the crazy thing about these passive investor uh, model type goes. That's not, a, it's not a business. I mean, you might as well put your money in your bank and, and buy a CD. That's the same thing. But if you're looking to build a business and be one of those legacy owners, yeah. I'm the guy for you. So, and then right now there's, you know, this contrarian model, we have now kind of pivoted because multifamily is tough right now with the interest rates going up. Mm-hmm. We have kind of pivoted into we're acquiring hotels and converting them to multifamily properties. And the numbers are unbelievable. And you know how I said about doing well by doing good? Yes. There is such a huge demand for affordable housing, not the government's type of affordable housing, because you know that's just as much of a scam as passive investing. But the where you're able to go in and you take an exit, it, we call it uh, recyclable buildings. We're just recycling their use, taking them from one type of property to another and uh, taking uh, you know, uh, advantage of what we're calling the arbitrage, the, the cap rate arbitrage. And the, the numbers are just is crazy. There's no one teaching it the way we are. And the model that we're doing is my partner and I are not at the top. We're at the bottom. We've taken on 25 investors, 25 in our cohort, and we're teaching them how to do it. And we're helping them every step of the way. And everyone in the cohort is going to joint venture partner with other people in the cohort. And then when we get to a certain level, we're going to add another 25. And then somebody within the first 25 will take care of that 25. And we're just going to keep growing that model. And that way, we will be able to achieve 100,000 hotel conversions in the next 10 years, as opposed to the passive investing model, which they'll never get there. They will never get there. So it's, it's so crazy. A lot of amazing things so far in this discussion. One is you sort of, from a very early age, thought about legacy, thought about yeah. endurance, thought about doing good and making money, making the right kind of building a business, wanting to be a legend. 
Yeah. And you're certainly creating this. I'm also- And Deborah, I have made it. I am a legend. You I'm a are legend. a legend. You are a legend. You are pivoting your way to glory. Exactly. This industry. <laughs> but you are. And this whole the whole concept of being able to pivot when the market changes, yeah. seeing yeah. the opportunity, seeing what's around the corner. And guess what? Bringing a host of other people along with you. Yeah. So they can make money, too. You know, the pivoting, you're saying pivoting, and that's a, a, that's a great term. I'm going to take its synonym in this scenario, which is uh, creating. I honestly believe my definition of success, a successful person is someone that created something that didn't exist until they came along. Give me any example of a successful person, and that's what they did. And so what I really like about what I've done over the last 40 years is I've, I've pivoted. I've created a, a new direction. And, you know, I could stay in there and, and do the multifamily thing and just keep doing it fine and, and making a great living at it. But I thought to myself, when I saw one of my students came to me back in 2019, and he said, Charlie, I, this, I, I've got this opportunity to buy a hotel. And I said, okay. And he goes, can you help me with it? And I thought to myself, you know, one thing they teach you in law school is to stay in your lane. And, you know, uh, I said, I, I got to, I know multifamily cold. I don't know hotels. Mm -hmm. And he said, um, he says, well, I'm going to try it. I'm going to go for it. I'm going to try to figure this thing out. Mm -hmm. And this student of mine is one of the smartest guys in the world. And that's the one thing I love about my clients is they understand what I'm trying to do. And they're just great, great business people. And he says, I'm going to try to figure it out. And he goes out and he buys this hotel with two other guys. Mm -hmm. And he tells the story about how he had to sit down with his wife. He got a little married a little later in life. So his wife owned their house and there was no mortgage on it. So he says he has to sit down with his wife and uh, ask for $150,000 from the house to get into this deal. And uh, she's like, oh, this house is all paid for. I couldn't, he's like, I know, but this is a great opportunity. So she says, yes. And she, three years later, that property pays him $150,000 a year. And his net worth, his his net worth, his equity on that property with the two other partners, his is $3.4 million. Wow, that's interesting. All because of what we call cap rate arbitrage from multifamily. And that is what we're doing with this hotel to, to apartment conversion. Uh, that's just how the numbers work. But nobody knows how to do it. You know, we, we're all trained in multifamily. It's so, so easy. We just outsource everything. But hotel to apartments, you got you have to be a little more creative. You, you can't just, you know, follow a, a cookie cutter plan or you're going to fail. So you talked about how creator, the concept of creation, which yeah. to you means making a difference that wasn't there before you created mm -hmm. something nobody nobody else created yeah but, but the fact of the matter is it sounds like all the ingredients were always there for anyone to pick up on but only you did how did you see that opportunity and now it's time for a quick break ceos need help growing their companies but don't always have the time or money to hire a full-time chief marketing officer cmo or chief sales officer cso or both Recruiting a quality, full-time executive can take months, not to mention the ongoing cost. In these challenging times, CEOs need battle-tested growth executives who can help companies successfully navigate the uncertain waters. 
partner with chief outsider CMOs and CSOs who will function as strategic operators to build and execute your growth engines. And we're back. Okay, you know what? I, that's a great question because I think it comes into how I did the multifamily business. Okay. You know, the way you have to look at the road to success is that everyone is going to put up roadblocks and speed pumps and human rain delays in your path the whole entire way. It's the successful, the successful people are the ones that stay on the path. Mm-hmm. They come up with the solutions around that and they just get around that, that problem and, and get to the finish line, make it to the closing table. I mean, even in my business, that's what, you know, bringing on these 25 people, we're going to help them buy that hotel. And we already know what the roadblocks are going to be. And we already have the solutions for them. You know, it, that's, that's how we do it. Like, um, we're actually, I'm waiting any minute now. I was surprised we haven't heard it yet. Uh, any minute now, we're supposed to get word on a, on a hotel that we're buying, uh, down in, uh, uh, down in the Midwest. Um, and originally, you know, we've got about four people going in on that deal and the broker says, we'd like to see your real estate resumes. Well, two of the people have never bought a hotel before. So we said, okay. So we send off two of our resumes, mine and my partners. Problem solved. Any other person would have looked at, sat back and like, oh, I guess I'm dead. You know that I'm not. I'm not going to buy this one. They want to see my resume, and I got nothing on it. Like, no, their job is to put up roadblocks. Just go figure out a way to get around the roadblocks. The other one that I always see all the time, which drives me crazy, is this the stupid proof of funds letter. Can you share? Can, you know, we're going to need to see a proof of funds letter before we accept any offer. Like, really? Are you kidding? Like, what do you think? I got the the purchase price sitting in a bank account. Now, of course, I'm going to have to go out there and raise the money. But yeah. you just if that's what they want, you just figure out a way and you get it to them and you just solve that problem. And uh, that's that's how you make it to the end. So there's the overcoming the challenges, you know, yeah. almost being maybe maybe inspired by them, although that might be the wrong word. But the, this idea of the pivot, though, the, the ability yeah. to know when it's time, like to not keep pushing against this rock, but yeah. to on another one. How do you see that? You know, you always live, uh, run the risk of not going that last three feet mm-hmm. to get to hit gold. You know, that's always the biggest problem with entrepreneurs. Sometimes we don't know when to quit. I built that insurance business for seven years. And, you know, I finally said, I just physically, I just can't do this anymore. It's it's not going anywhere. And I see the handwriting on the wall. That was a real challenging time for me. Um, I felt like I failed. And I remember having getting some advice. And a woman said, Charlie, you didn't fail. The business failed. And, you know, the business did not live up to what you wanted. And that seems so simple, but I was a young man and I didn't realize that she's right. I didn't, I mean, how many other people would have done what I did? I had 35 people working for me for seven years. And, uh, you know, the industry changed that I was in. It wasn't me. So that's always been a problem, uh, you know, for entrepreneurs is just to to be able to look, step aside and say, you know what, I think I, I should pivot. I think I should should start looking for something else. What I'm doing now, I'm, I've got my fingers in so many different things that I'm, uh, it's exciting. I just, I, I can't wait to get into the office every day. I've never felt that way before in my life. It is, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. And what's the name of the business? 
Well, uh, the name of our business is multifamilyinvestingacademy.com. The product, we have, you know, two different programs. We have a multifamily OS, uh, dot, which, which is trademarked by me, uh, Deb Jacino, because um, we teach people. Huh? I promise not to use it. Use it as much as you want. Just uh, attribute it back to me. The multifamily OS is, is a takeoff and an entrepreneur OS. Uh, Gino Wickman's book, which is a great book. I, you know, I, I'm a Dan Sullivan strategic coach, protege. That's my business coach. But we teach people how to build the multifamily business systems. And the new program is the H2A, which is Hotel to Apartments, which is really... I really see that model as being the right model to help people become successful. Uh, and I, I've never seen anybody do it before. And so that's, I'm very excited about being the first one trying it. So it's going to be great. So that's a, it's yeah, multifamily investing Academy and everything is an offshoot of Dobbins law, but uh, you got to find me on multifamilyinvestingacademy.com. And we can, in the particular session or this episode, we'll be sure and include a link. Yeah. Yeah, that'd be great. A little bit of a, and a write-up on you as well. Talk to me about the passion. You said you can't wait to get to work every day and your love of really helping other people and so forth. But talk more about what does really jazz you up and get you excited about going to work each day? You know, really this being able to, within the same framework, create new programs and products and uh, people come to me looking for solutions and I can easily tell them what, what to do and what problems, you know, client called me up. We, I helped him buy his property. He's having problems with the insurance. Uh, he has an insurance claim and he doesn't know what to do about it. I just walked him through the whole matter. And that was, you know, he was so thankful to myself. This is, this is easy. This is, I've dealt with this so many times. We tell a joke in, uh, in a multifamily business, Deb, uh, where um, there are three multifamily owners in a bar. And the first one says, I'm having a good year. And they said, well, what, what, what's going on with you? I lost one of my units to fire. And the other two guys, go, yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good year. The second guy says, I'm having a better year than you. He says, why? What's happening with you? And he says, I lost one of my buildings to fire. Oh, yeah, that's a good year. Says, third guy says, I got you all beat. So why? What, what happened to you? He goes, I had a tornado come through my property, ripped off every single one of the roofs. And the other two guys look at him and say, who'd you get to do that? Get it? Get it? These are the multifamily jokes, Deb. <laughs> Come on, this is—it doesn't get any better than that. So this, so this then tells me you have a certain type of clientele, and talk talk a little yeah. bit about your clientele and what are the walks of life, and are they doing this and some other things, and and yeah. and there's got to be a, a personality or a culture, maybe is a better word, that you create with your with your clients. Yeah. Because I can hear you telling the, I can hear these jokes. I can see the room. <laughs> and some of my students have heard them a million times. Okay, so so every Monday night we have a a meeting. Uh, all of my clients come on my Monday night, Monday night live call, and that's always a lot of fun. It builds a great sense of community. But to tell you who my my students are, they're a lot like me. There are later in life. I'm, I tell people I'm seventy two. Usually, Deb, that's followed up with, wow, you look good for 72. You look great for 72. <laughs> You're a little slow on the uptake, Deb. Come on, get your lines straight. Well, um, I'm 172 and my glasses don't work as well. <laughs> exactly. Um, no, I'm 59. So, you know, the, the really interesting thing about my generation, 
And uh, we had uh, Alex Cartwright, who's a professor of economics, spoke at my last conference. And uh, I started talking about my generation and my theory about my generation and asked if he could confirm it. And he said I was right. Uh, If you look in the book, Big Shifts Ahead, I had one of those guys, one of the authors on my podcast, and it was a great, great book. But what they said is that people born in my generation, people born in the 60s, not the baby boomers, they broke it up into different generational segments by decades. So people born in the 60s are having a very unique thing happen to them, something that's never happened to any generation before in the history of the world. And that is we are going to retire or get to our our later years with the least amount of equity from than any previous generation before us. And that is because we have survived or suffered through four cycles, four market cycles. No other generation has had to do that. And my theory for that and Alex, Professor Cartwright confirmed. So my theory is that we are the first generation that was born coming off the gold standard. Yeah. And that has enabled the government to manipulate the currencies and modify things. If you go back and look at every every fluctuation in, in our markets, there's always been some government involvement that has set it off. Or you know they lack the protections, and that is why people in my generation, a lot of them are just looking to start to accumulate assets as fast as they can. So when they get to that later years, they're going to have something, and that's what we're looking to do. And that's the type, most of the type of clientele that I work with. And um, you know, I I wrote a book, How to Own a, a Thousand Apartments in Five Years, which I did. And uh, I tell people, just start out small. Just start out small. And that is a contrarian view compared to these other gurus out there that their attitude is go big or go home. And I'm like, no, start out small, maybe one partner, maybe two partners. And eventually you'll get big enough. You go out and do it on your own and you can build your own legacy yourself within five years. First year, just own 20 units. And that's what we teach in the, in the hotel side. You don't have to have, first off, you don't want a 300 unit hotel. You just don't. It's not for what we're looking to do. It's going to be a disaster. We're looking between 80 and 120 unit uh, hotels, which you'll be amazed at the price of those things is so low. And, uh, and But you know when you convert them, you can make a ton of money on them. And that's what we're trying to teach people my age to do. Well, it's fascinating this that this whole cohort group in the sixties yeah. for market fluctuations or pivot points, whatever you want to call them. And how yeah. how do you define those four inflection points in Okay, economy? well the first one, I mean, I was right out of college or actually before I got out of college, right around high school when the you know, the interest rates were double digit, you know, the, the misery index, Jimmy Carter's misery, I misery remember index. Well, yes. Yep. And then end of the 80s, you had a market crash. Uh, then you had 2001 with, with a, a dot-com boom. Then you had 2008. I mean, this is, uh, yeah. we're getting used to these things. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. and we're, yeah. we're going through one right now. There'll be another one. You know, there's stuff going on in China with real estate defaults in there that's going to have an impact on us. I don't think that the market is going, it's, you know, of course, everybody was waiting for interest rates to come down. Keep waiting. You got a long wait. And some of these kids nowadays, they are starting to build their net worth at a time when when money was cheap. Mm-hmm. I mean, there was no it was free. 
And you know, now uh, they're going to realize what it's really like. But yeah, so those are, I mean, we're coming into another crash. Uh, it's not really a crash. It won't be a crash. It's going to be a, a correction. It's going to happen in different markets harder than it's going to happen in, across the country. And that's that's what we're what we're in for. I think people have bought overpaid for apartment complexes in the last couple of years. Just go drop the keys in the desk of the bank and walk away. You're seeing some of the the big players are already doing that. The other thing that's kind of fascinating, and let's pull up for just a moment here, because some people have great mastery at something and in that thing, and it may be making a table. I'm just making this up. And they're so great at it. They not only make it for themselves, they make it for others. They start a business, then maybe they manufacture and they grow a business. What you're talking about is you have put together several major concepts and we haven't even talked about the cap rate arbitrage, which I don't even know what it is. Yeah, There's just many different pieces in business, in life, in changing environments that you are have put together and you kind of like tinker toys. You pull in the next massive concept to change or adjust or pivot your business model. It's just, what is it? Are you just super smart? Are you just experienced? What, or is it the curiosity? What, what is it? I think I, I I have very smart people in my life. That's, that is key. And I, the only thing I'm so incredibly smart at is knowing that how much I don't know. And that's, I've got some great people, my partner in in H2A, the guys, you know, one class away from a PhD in electrical engineering. Uh, We got uh, uh, Professor Cartwright, he's on board. Um, I I just have very smart people. I mean, Deb, your company has set me up with a very, very smart, smart solution. Granted, he couldn't get into Boston College, but and we we, we, we give we give him you know kudos for that. That's fine. Not shout out to Dan Blackner, yes. <laughs> yeah, shout out to Dan. Yeah, and the fighting fighting Irish. You know, it's really just having having the right people around. And I think the creativity is is really what benefits me the most. Is just trying thinking why can't I do that and trying new things, and then realizing I can do that. Then I figure, oh, I better get the right people involved to help me, uh, you know, figure it out from there. And I'll add to it because you can put a lot of great people around you and you cannot listen to them. So it's it's the listening and it may not be exactly the answer they propose, but you're putting together all of that advice and, and actually taking it, which may be. The, one of the biggest things we, we've we talked about here. Yeah. Speaking of advice, and, and I want to make sure we'll get your website URL, some information about your, your company and, and how to reach you, because maybe there's a lot of people who would like to, because it sounds like people can do this on a sidebar. Oh, yeah. Well, that's it. You're starting a new business. Every new business I started, I was working somewhere else while I was doing it. That's the key. And that's one of the things, put a calculator through Dan Lackner. Dan helped me do this. We put together a uh, passive investing is a scam calculator. Mm -hmm. And we, you know, you can go on my website, you click on it and you can, you know, people say, well, if I need to replace my income of $10,000, okay, put $10,000 in the calculator. And we will ask a couple of questions and we'll show you if you went the passive investing route Mm -hmm. or you went the the Warren Buffett route, Mm -hmm. how many units would you have to acquire for you to be able to quit your job? Mm-hmm. And of course, there are a lot of variables involved, but you just type them in and the calculator tells you. And it's, 
you know, I've just looked at some of some of my people's scenarios. Mm -hmm. Like one guy that I was supposed to evaluate his deal, he had 17 general partners in the deal before they brought on one limited partner. So 17 mouths they had to feed before. And we put in the calculator at that rate, mm-hmm. he would have to own 16,000 apartment oh. units to replace his $10,000 a year income. It's just not going to happen. On the flip side, in the Warren Buffett model, he would have to, I think when there's like 47 apartment units, he would have to own for him to replace his unit, his uh, income. That's more like it. That's the way this business is meant to operate. But nobody wants to do the math. Mm-hmm. Like, and this is this business is all about the math. So I'll just say, you mentioned Dan, we've talked about Dan Lackner a little bit. He's a fractional chief sales officer for Chief Outsiders, yeah. and I know he'll appreciate your your kind words about him. Um, yeah, but speaking exactly. of advice for other CEOs, and they run you know all different kinds of business, but what's your advice, particularly in this world of the need to pay attention, to get advice, to pivot, or whatever? What are your maybe three points that you would give to CEOs who are looking to either get unstuck, looking to grow their business, take it to the next level. I'll tell you, first off, I showed somebody my Audible uh, library and they looked at me like, don't you read anything good? Like, what do you mean? These are all great books. He goes, no, they're all business books. And I said, yeah, well, that's, I listened to Audible on my ride in. I actually go the long way just so I can hear more that, I'm always listening to books. I'm always coming. And every time I listen to something in one of those books, it gives me an idea about my business. That's number one. Second thing is, you know, I have a coach myself and it's Dan Sullivan. I'm in Dan Sullivan's strategic coach program. And, you know, I go there once a quarter and actually I I say to myself, I called Dan the, uh, the Russian hypnotist. And they all laughed. They said, what, what do you mean by that? I said, well, my, when my father was a young man, he had trouble. I couldn't stop biting his nails. Someone told him he should go to this Russian hypnotist in Boston. So he packs up his car, books the appointment, drives all the way down there, walks into this crowded waiting room, sits there for an hour. They finally call his name. He goes in there. He sits down with this guy, this Russian. And he just talks to the guy for 10 minutes. And he gets up and he walks out. And he thinks to himself, what just happened? Why? That's the craziest thing. He never chewed his nails after that ever in his life. So I called Dan Sullivan, the Russian hypnotist, because I go to his event and I sit there for a day and I leave and I think to myself, what did I just learn? Like, what what was this all about? And every single time my business has grown extensively after I've implemented what I've learned at those classes. And uh, so that is definitely taken me to to the next level. Um, And so that's, those are the two you got to get a coach and just always think creatively that's what's going to help you the most yeah. you know ask yourself why why can't i do it that way and that's so. such a great end note to this yeah book. i love it why oh we're done i don't even get to play my piano only if you'll sing can we get a little go for it no <laughs> <laughs> you don't pay me enough Next time I'll fine. pay you more. Fine, Deborah. We'll open up with my. I'll have. I tell you what. Next time I'll be in the new house over there. Fabulous. Um, with, my, with my little baby grand, um, and that'll be a lot of fun. We'll do it that way. Wonderful. Yeah. I can't wait. So that'll we'll see fun. you in part two. Yes. Thank you. Thank you, Charles. Thank you, Deborah.
Great to see you. Take care. Be sure to subscribe in all your favorite podcast apps. Just look for Success Beneath the Surface. Chief Outsiders, part-time growth executives with full-time results.